This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. Welcome back to All the Sins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon and I'm here with Mims. How are you? I'm doing great today. It was such a beautiful day. I mean, it is a beautiful day today and I can't ask for anything else. Love it. How are you? Good. It is a beautiful day today. Even I had to go to work. Uh, boo. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, well I, hope, I hope you and everybody listening were able to step outside for a little bit and enjoy it. Well, the sun is shining on me right now. If people are looking <laughs> at our video, it's just shining on me through the window. That's about as close as I've gotten today. Oh, no. <laughs> but summer is almost here and I'm almost done with work. So, woo! Love that. Me too. Very exciting stuff. Yes. Do you have any true crime news today? I do. Let me pull it up here. So on it, this was on Sunday. So on Sunday night, more than 20 fire departments responded to a fire that erupted at Oak Creek Wood Products. It's like a wood warehouse in Slinger uh, at around 7.30 p.m. That was right off of I-41 South. Uh, the fire was massive. Luckily, it was contained to the complex before spreading too far. They're still investigating what happened, why it happened. Uh, what they were more concerned about was making sure that it didn't spread. Right. And that just, well, we're recording Monday, so that just happened last night. Uh, and I hope that they figure it out. I feel like with warehouses, it tends to be more like a mechanical issue. Uh, yeah. But it was all over the news today, and I figured, you know, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. I have a story I want to talk about real quick. Bring it so, on. Um, for part of my job, we look into officers' disciplinary records. So that's how I originally stumbled upon this story. So a Green Bay police officer has been accused of hitting a man with his car. So a Green Bay police officer is facing criminal charges, and he first went to court on last Wednesday. It's Officer Matthew Knutson, and he's charged with misconduct in public office and negligent operation of a vehicle. So 
a man had been running from allegedly running mm-hmm. from the police in November of 2021. And to stop him, Officer Knutson hit him with his squad car. Oh my God. And the DA's office has pressed charges. Good. Yeah. So they said that the body cam footage and dash cam footage shows Knutson driving into a grassy area outside of an apartment building and hitting the man. And then Knutson had asked him, when you ran into my car, you didn't hurt anything, did you? Like, um, sir? Sir, you hit him. What do you mean I ran into your car? <laughs> yeah. And then later he complained to another officer that he had leg pain and the sergeant asked if he pulled a muscle running from the police. And he said, no, he, this officer hit me with his vehicle. Yeah. So it took about a year before the department learned about this or did anything. So he was suspended last October. And before that, he had been with the department for 13 years. Maybe has so many problems with their police. Yeah, I feel like that's just across the board. That's true. Oh, wow. Um, note to self, do not run people over. And especially if you have a camera that sees everything that's yeah, on your maybe. car. <laughs> and a police officer, don't use your government-issued squad car oh my God. to commit a crime. Yeah. Wow. I I totally understand the I don't want him to get away. Sure. um, We could have gone about it a different way. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't say he was armed or dangerous. He just had some warrants and he was running. I don't think the police should be driving their cars in the grass unless absolutely necessary either. I don't want them in my yard. No, no. Me neither. I don't want them wrecking my petunias. <laughs> I had looked up this officer one day. I didn't know anything about this. So his name had came up in a case. And I was like, oh, my first thing before we get the records is always like, oh, let me Google search them. Oh. That's <laughs> oh, sir. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it really is. And I oh, feel like... Now I want the disciplinary record so I can see the detailed reports. If people don't know, um, officer disciplinary records are public records. You can request them. There's a law that says that they have a certain amount of time to object, and then you have to go through a whole process. But generally, they don't object. And if they do object, I would definitely keep digging to find out why they're objecting. Right. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of it's redacted or unable to see or is everything out there? Um, It's generally like if there's a victim, that'll be redacted. Um, Sometimes like witnesses, if they haven't come forward publicly, that'll be redacted. But generally all the information about the officer and the things that they have done will be there. Good. I'm glad it's very interesting stories. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Oh, fun tidbit about the police. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. All right. Today I am talking about 
a cold case that has been solved. Yay! Woo! <laughs> I was like, should I end with a mystery? <laughs> oh, oh man. <laughs> then we'll never update you. Right? <laughs> All right. Okay, so on February 24th of 2000, a 37-year-old female was found murdered in the front yard of 1132 Lakeview Avenue in Racine. And she was found under a low-hanging pine tree. The female homicide victim was later identified as Linda Fields. Okay. And the Morkey County Medical Examiner's Office conducted an autopsy, and that revealed that she had been strangled. So for a long time, nothing is happening. At the time when she was found, multiple DNA samples were collected, and a lab report was authored by Sharon Polakowski in May of 2001, And this report indicated that all of the DNA samples were identical and that the DNA that was extracted came from a single unknown male contributor. So they know it was one person that did this. His DNA is all over. But they don't know whose DNA it is. So they entered the... Isn't that frustrating? Like, you have everything you need. All the evidence is there. Mm -hmm. But we just can't figure out who it goes to. Right. So they entered the DNA into the West Wisconsin, but can I talk today? The Wisconsin <laughs> DNA database <laughs> and the Wisconsin convicted felons databank and the national DNA databank and they get no matches. So that's incredibly frustrating mm-hmm. to, to have this evidence, to have these databases. Cause you always imagine like CSI, you punch it in and I'm like, automatically there lunch and you come back and it's like flashing on the screen that you have have a match right and you arrest them and everybody lives happily ever after but in real life it doesn't work like that at all Mm -hmm. so they put it in these databases and nothing's coming in so at the time the lead investigator had interviewed countless witnesses but he couldn't make an arrest they tested five different suspects Five different suspects' DNA. But like, I, we believe it's one of these five people. None of their DNA matches. So they eliminate all of their suspects. Oh. Yeah. So by March of 2005, they collected previously unsubmitted samples and then submitted them for sampling or for testing. So some DNA that had been found, they're like, oh, we don't know. We'll resubmit this, see if we can find some results. And on one of these things, male DNA was identified on one of the items that they brought in for testing. And this DNA also matched the other DNA. So whatever evidence they had sent in the second time, it also had the same DNA. So there's nobody else's DNA. It's this person. It's got to be. This right. Right. Person. And he's just making a mess everywhere. Like, he just does not give a damn. No, I, yeah, not at all. I don't know if, like, in 2000, I'm trying to think back to 2000. I think 2000, we already had CSI. Yeah. So, like, we should they were doing DNA by then, I think. Miami Vice was definitely a thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I think... 
there was like forensic files. Oh, right. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I mean, we definitely knew DNA was a thing. Yeah. He was but, just like, did not care. He did not care at all. No. And so this goes on and on. And we come up to August of 2020. And Chief Art Howell said, we need to take a look at this case again. You know, it's been 20 years. Let's see what we can do. So they, in September of 2020, they reassigned the case to investigator Chris Blackmore. And he was assisted by special agent Neil McGrath from the Wisconsin Department of Justice of Criminal Investigations. So like, we need some, we need some help. So they got this DCI special agent to come in. And then they have in April of 2021, they also add in an FBI agent to come and help them. Okay. Uh, that would be Sarah Demron. And then they get a DNA analysis, Natalie Fisher from the Wisconsin Crime Lab. And Fisher was determined that there is enough DNA to move forward in, with doing the investigative genetic genealogy analysis. She's like, let's try this new thing. We have enough DNA in 2020 is when like all the DNA cases started really it hitting the news. So they're like, I like... think for us too. Mm-hmm. So they decided to start doing working on a familial search analysis. So in May of 2021, the crime scene DNA evidence was sent to Athrom. Have you heard of Athrom? No. It's like a lab that cracks all the cases or like magic. So, so we love them. The, we love them. Yeah. <laughs> they send the DNA to Athrom and they do some kind of magic forensic grade genome sequencing. And that gives you a gene, genealogical profile. Mm hmm. They gave this to the FBI, and then the FBI has a whole genealogy team now. Okay. Because it used to just be, like, the one lady at home figuring this stuff out magically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she just cracking her knuckles, going to work every day, <laughs> all by herself. <laughs> With, like, giant whiteboards everywhere. That's what I envisioned, too, and, like, yeah. all these little, like, red strings attached to everywhere yeah i i really want that in my basement but i'd look like a freak so <laughs> you should do it i know <laughs> just freak everybody out that comes down here it's like oh interesting yeah. basement <laughs> so they get the team and the team starts doing the genealogy research and throughout this time special agent mcgrath was determined that the male person of interest had a brother or father that was still living. Like, if we can't find him, we at least have to be able to find, like, his dad or his brother, somebody. So with the help of FBI agent Mark Dring, DNA co was collected from a brother of the suspect and submitted to the crime lab. Okay, okay. God, that might be the suspect, but it wasn't the suspect. It was the brother of the suspect. So the brother was eliminated as a potential suspect. Then they're like, okay, let's look at the father. So Lieutenant Paul Hayes of the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency, State Bureau of Investigation, and Special Agent McGrath determined that the father of the suspect was residing in Birmingham, Alabama. So they created a plan to collect DNA from the father in Alabama. And then they learned 
that the father had traveled to Zion, Illinois, and was staying there. So somehow they eventually got a warrant to collect the dad's DNA. Mm-hmm. This is like a whole crazy, like, they're like criminal minds, like they're really running state to state. Tracking yeah. Down. Yeah. Imagine like a little like a crime in Wisconsin that it's like people from all over the country coming together to really figure it out. So I thought that was Love pretty that. cool. Yeah. So in February 2023, a DNA sample was obtained from the father and sent to the lab for comparison. In March of 2023, Polakowski informed investigator Blackmore that the buccal swab from the father was a match to DNA taken from Linda Fields. And she stated that the odds of a DNA of a randomly selected person matching the DNA collected from Linda Fields are one in one quadrillion. Wow. So now they have a person of interest, Lucas Alonso. And he was detained at his place of employment in Racine. They got really lucky because he started a job in Racine on the day that they got the match. Like they got the match. They want to find him. He's just started. He lives in Illinois, but he started a job in Racine. So for like the people that don't believe in fate, I feel like this is a true, like fate exists. Right. So it all worked out perfectly in line mm-hmm. to find him. And then they went to his job and they arrested him. They brought him in for questioning and then they arrested him on first degree homicide charges. Boom. He has been charged, but it just he was just charged in March of 2023. After 23 years of this being a cold case, they finally found the suspect. And so he's charged and he requests a public defender. And we don't have any public defenders. We have like, it feels like we have like six public defenders for the whole state. That's not a realistic number, but that's what it feels like. Right. So, as of April 19th, they had made 980 contacts with attorneys in Wisconsin looking for an attorney for him. And nothing. No. They finally appointed a public defender for him on May 1st. Wow. And that will be attorney Scott Anderson. He's been appointed now. And the case is set for a status conference on June 1st. So on that date, they're just going to schedule a date for his preliminary hearing. And then if the judge does decide there's enough evidence to hold the case over, then he will be arraigned and then the official charges will be filed. And then we'll be able to get like all of the details and eventually if it'll go to trial or maybe if he really did it, he'll be a great person and confess and not make them go through trial. I feel like that is a long shot, but (laughs) maybe, like, maybe knowing that there is no other place to run. But I feel like he, if he was already everywhere. Yeah. Imagine living with that for 23 years. Like, for 23 years, I know that I randomly killed this lady. Mm. Mm -hmm. And she didn't deserve to be killed. Mm -hmm. it was just like um it sounds like they just were hanging out and things went wrong but nothing 
nothing's really been released from the police saying the exact details of what happened yet so i don't want to speculate on what happened but right whatever happened they were there under a tree doing mm-hmm. whatever and he left his dna everywhere so how do you i mean i'm sure he can say it was consensual and then a random person came and murdered her later right same yeah time, where i left my dna all over the whole scene yeah that's probably what he would go with yeah i mean that's what i would go with what else are you gonna go with yeah nothing else really if you're gonna try to make up a defense that's really the only route you have to go Mm -hmm. otherwise you're just gonna have to confess or say you just snapped but that's still gonna be a confession so right yeah so that Mm -hmm. was the story of how they found the killer of linda fields Great job. Thank you for uh, giving us some closure on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Ending the season with the cliffhanger. Right? Oh my gosh. Well, great job. Like They found the killer, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. Right? Everybody (laughs) would be so pissed at you. (laughs) That would be funny. Yeah. Well, this is your last case. This is your last story. I know. It's a bittersweet moment. It is. And I appreciate everyone listening. Yeah, I do too. And we love you. We do. Bye. Bye. All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love you. you.